you know, I was uh, just, you know, watching TV before the show and they had a commercial for the Giants. I guess they're, you know, selling tickets for this upcoming year now. And they the commercial was just the the final out of the 2014 World Series. Doesn't that include Pablo Sandoval? It does. You kind of have to brush off that part of it, but what a what a great moment. It's like one of those moments that you you remember where you were when you saw it. Yes, but oh, can we can we get back to Pablo Sandoval? Uh, it, yeah, I guess. So I think I, I said this to you earlier, but I, I'm really happy that I've lived in a place long enough to feel like completely dignified in telling a uh, local sports hero to like go f- off. Because now that he's on the East Coast and he's just talking a whole bunch of crap on on the team and feel like he was disrespected and that he doesn't like care about any of his teammates is really aggravating and just kind of uh, unsportsmanlike. It, particularly when whenever you go to a Giants game, it always seemed to me that you would see probably more, maybe maybe Posey would be the most popular player, but I would think Sandoval would be a close second in terms of it's like number of jerseys. Sea and... of panda hats. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I, um, I have a... So that, that's a little bit of background here. So I, I make really, really poor sports merchandise decisions. Wait, which jersey did you buy? That's so what I mean, Linscombe, so, Linscombe jersey. Yeah. So what I mean by this is, I am the owner of a Dwight Howard Lakers jersey. I don't know who he is. <laughs> so well, context, please. Uh, so Dwight Howard um, used to play for the Orlando Magic. You know, All Star caliber player. Demanded a trade from Orlando. Was traded to the Lakers for one year in 2012. Uh, kind of like a, a player who you know could be like the next face of the franchise, kind of taking over the team as Kobe you know went into retirement. That was the plan. You know they traded a lot to get him. Didn't work out. He was on the last year of his contract when he got traded to the Lakers, and when he was in free agency that following summer, he decided to leave the team. So, I bought a jersey during his one year in LA, and of course he left that following summer. So good for me. I am also the owner of a uh, orange. I, I was I was very adamant about getting the orange one, and it took took me a long time to find the orange one. You can get the black and white ones pretty easy, but I really wanted the orange and black one, uh, panda hat, which now also is worthless. virtually useless. And Actually, now it's worse than worse than useless because he's become a pariah in Bay Area culture. That's a good point. And good now. Work. Um, I this last 49ers season, I had bought a jersey for uh, Chris Borland. He was a, a draft pick by the 49ers. He was a rookie last year. Really, really talented player. Is he the one who retired for fear of brain damage? Yes. Rightly so? Yes. Um, so I'm really, you know, and those those are like, I think three of my last, actually it might just be like my three most recent sports merchandise purchases. <laughs> so did you buy... Um... Like a like a WebOS car decal. <laughs> you know the the thing that makes up for it though is I I'm also the owner of a um, Buster Posey road jersey with a 2012 World Series patch on it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like that a lot, and I've been thinking. Wait, um, what what does the road jersey look like? It's not like the weird ugly throwback orange, is it? No, no, no. Those are the jerseys they wear at home on Friday nights. Um, the, the, the road jersey is gray with orange trim, and it says San Francisco in the front. And it has their names on the back, which the home jerseys do not. 
Nice. Yeah, and I've been thinking about getting the same jersey with the 2014 World Series patch, uh, but Bumgarner's jersey. That's got. Do they price based on popularity or prestige of the player? Yeah, they do. But the way that the uh, jerseys work is there's there's kind of like three tiers. There's the actual, you know, like same exact jersey that the players wear, and those are fairly expensive, a couple hundred dollars. There's the kind of mid tier, which uh, to me look exactly the same, but there there must be some material difference or something. And those are around maybe about ninety to one hundred dollars. So that's like the posy jersey I have, as opposed to an immaterial difference. Yes, well, I'm an, I'm an accountant. I, I always speak in terms of material or immaterial. That's a that's a really <laughs> bad pun because I didn't. Nobody gets. Yeah, no, I you know I I meant like material in terms of the fabric, but in whatever yes. people get it. This is inside and then, baseball. Inside baseball. <laughs> Ooh, that was good too. <laughs> um, we have a show title. There you go. Yeah. No, you've um. Well, then let me finish the thought. So then there's there, there's the third jersey, which is you know some kind of like t-shirt thing, um, but no, okay. So yeah, your your show title thing, you've um, you've really been. I mean, let's let's keep the bad analogies going here. You've really been hitting it out of the park with your <laughs> with your show titles recently. It's been very impressive. I think if you know we look at the oh, what twenty eight twenty nine episodes of the show that we've done now, you probably are responsible for. It's got to be close to twenty five of the titles. I, I don't remember any of these, and I don't intentionally try to make them. No, I know that's that's um you know the, the listeners listeners have told me they like it when the show is a little bit more uh, organic. Gotcha. Did they I like say the... emoji connoisseur? <laughs> oh, it doesn't sound like something I would say. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway, back back to your uh, immaterial jersey. Sure. That's another good title. Um. I think I think I think actually that that's that's about all I have to say <laughs> about about the uh, the jersey. Okay. Anyway, that all spawned off uh, Pablo Sandoval being uh, kind of a, a crummy human being. I guess I, I should be worried though if um, I buy this Bumgarner jersey, maybe that means that he'll like leave the team in a year. Maybe it's like a jinx. They've been having Although, they've been having a really tough uh, preseason. So yeah, I think he's he's lost the first two starts he had in spring training. That tends not to really mean a whole lot though. Yeah, because spring training is when they kind of get most uh, testing out most of the rookies out of the way. But I mean, Hunter Pence is still out with the broken arm, and it's going to be uh, an interesting first half of the season, to be sure. You know, i I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't worry so much about the preseason. I think the thing you have to be, you know, weary of is you know it's hard enough to come back the year after you 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 know you win the World Series. It's just it's just hard to have that extra kick, you know, but. You know, not only have the Giants done that, but they've you know they've won three out of the last five. So, I think that's called I, a dynasty. <laughs> well, no, not a not according to the um, Pablo Sandoval's of the world, the East the East Coast baseball, the real real baseball. In <sighs> Red Sox, all right. Do you see that some of the the Yankees uh, were very very upset that uh, Yankee Stadium this year is also being used for the new New York based MLS soccer team? I don't acknowledge soccer as a sport, so I, I am all on board with whoever doesn't like that. Uh, oh, hold on, yeah, tell, the, wait, hold on. Sorry, what is what is the New York team name? It's probably gonna be something dumb. It's like FC New York City. I don't know. The um, Los Angeles Galaxy. If Samsung is not sponsoring, that's a very missed opportunity. 
That's a great point. I don't know if anybody's actually ever um, thought of that. Because David Beckham or whatever, he's retired, right? Like, not that anybody cares about soccer, but... No, it, it is New York New York City FC, New York City Football Club. Mm. Um, although, one of these other Google articles I just found talks about the New York Red Bulls. <laughs> Is that? Let's see. That's made up. Oh, so the club is the first MLS franchise located in the city. This is the New York City Football Club. And the second franchise in New in the New York metropolitan area after the New York Red Bulls. So apparently New York has two MLS teams. And the, the Red Bulls are based in, in case you were wondering, Harrison, New Jersey. All right. We're not going to talk about fake sports. <laughs> so the Warriors are 31-2 and two at home this season. That's insane. That seems um, that seems good. That's crazy. Yeah, we were we were talking before the show. They they're in a really crazy position where they're both the number one rated offensive team and number one rated defensive team. Typically, a team will be you know a top two or three team in one category, then you know maybe a top ten team in the other. But to be number one in both, particularly in the competitive conference that they're in is um, it, it pains me to say, as you know, as not, not being a Warriors fan, but pretty crazy. Yeah. Do you, do you want to talk about some technology this week? <sighs> I mean, yeah, I, I mean, we can, I guess. Okay. Do you want to, you know, do you want to know how I spent most of my day today? I, uh, you gave me a little bit of a preview, but I would love to hear some more details. Uh, I took a stack of FedEx envelopes and I made a paper replica of the 12-inch MacBook. So how did how did you do this? Did you you looked up dimensions online and you cut the FedEx envelopes to the appropriate size? Exactly. Wow. This this, this computer is very confounding because we'll we'll talk about actually let's bring it up. So the um, on an ep- on the recent episode of the Accidental Tech uh, Tech Podcast, uh, John Syracuse kind of argued all the reasons why. He doesn't hate the computer, but why it's a really weird computer. And they all made the point that kind of the 13-inch Retina MacBook Pro is the far more sensible model. So I'm I'm very perplexed and confused, and I'm still I'm still on board with it, but I don't know what to think anymore. So all I'm trying to do is sell myself on the size, because that whole iPad experiment just taught me that I want something that form factor, but I want something that has the capability of a traditional Mac. So I don't know. You know, the, the place where I've landed on the, the new 12-inch MacBook is I want to see it in person. I, f- I feel like, you know, similar to the first Air, I, th- I think everybody's reaction coming out of that event was, you know, if you were just following a live blog, I don't think they live stream that event, so I think following a live blog really was kind of the only way to, to follow along. You didn't, you didn't really maybe appreciate what the computer was doing just because so much of its appeal was in its its feel and its you know, thinness and lightness. And I feel like in a lot of ways, that's the same thing with this new MacBook where you, you just kind of have to to feel it and, and try it before you really get it. So I've, I've kind of decided to, you know, I'm tempted to get one, but I, I well, A, I, I don't really have a particular reason to get one, which maybe you can help me out with. Um, no. <laughs> I mean, again, you you don't use a Mac. Like, I mean, you have your work computer for most of that stuff. Everything else that you would need a Mac for is generally done like stationary at like the desktop computer setup that you have now, or can be fairly easily done on an iPad. Where I think my use case is very, very different. 
Well, you know, in a in a um a sign of truly lazy, you know, first world problems, you know, in my little studio apartment here. My you know, my Mac mini is never more than about five feet away, no matter where I am in this common space that I have in my studio. But the idea of having this really small iPad-like laptop that I can just put on my coffee table and easily access when I'm watching TV is really appealing. Even though whenever I'm on my couch watching TV, I'm also never an arm's length away from an iPad or an iPhone. Yeah, the iPhone's pretty indispensable as a computing product. Yeah, so I, I you know, I, I'm trying to manufacture reasons why I should get this computer, um, but... I don't think you have one, unfortunately. No, I, I, I really don't, which is, which is unfortunate. Because but, you, don't do, you don't do, like, productivity work on a computer. Like, like you play video games or you do things that are very... Um, are almost completely as good as they would be on a computer on your phone. Like Twitter does not require a full computer, and most email does not require a full computer. But you're not doing like document management or like design work or like intensive writing or anything like that. So I'm not. I think it's kind of lost on you, to the point where it doesn't. It doesn't add anything that your work laptop or the Mac Mini isn't already doing for you. See, this is the exact opposite of one I wanted to hear from you. I am all for uh, egging on uh, unnecessary tech purchases, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure it works out for you. So you know, I, I thought the the point that they were you, know, you mentioned ATP, and they had, they God, they spent almost the entire two hour show on that laptop. Well, it's it's pretty, far more interesting than the watch. I, I tend to agree. Um, but you know, so Syracuse, we 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 were texting a little back and forth about this a little bit. He he made kind of a, a weird point, but the more I thought about it, I think the more interesting it is. So his his position was that a computer with no ports would actually be better than a computer with just one port. Which makes no sense, you, but or if you have like a hierarchy, I think the way that Syracuse would would rank these different types of computers would be a computer with no ports, a computer with two ports, followed by a computer with one port. And, <laughs> yeah, I agree. On one hand, it really didn't make sense. But I, I, I think what he was trying to say, which I do think is an interesting point, is a computer with no ports really is the best because if a computer with no ports were a viable product, we would be in a, a hypothetical future where you know, wireless charging were a thing and virtually all peripherals, you know, USB or whatever currently based peripherals would all be wireless. And that really is like, the, that is the dream scenario. Like having a computer that's 100% wireless and by being wireless, you're not really sacrificing anything. That really is the ideal situation. And yes, I, but we're, I think, we're, we're five years off from that. Exactly. So, but I, I, I think that's what he was trying to say. And then, you know, to, to finish the thought, I think he was pointing out that because we're not in that ideal state until we get there, having two ports is better than having just one. So I, I think, I think what he was trying to say was that having just one port is results in a machine, which is kind of stuck between this hypothetical ideal future and the limited 
current state that we're in. I agree. And again, because my, uh, I never owned one, but I think I've talked about this before, but the 12 inch power book was kind of my dream computer. It just seemed like such a, it was just ridiculous technology packed into a very, very small package. But one of the key points that he was making that I thought was made a lot of sense, which I can understand what, like, I can understand why Johnny Ive or some like uh, thick headed or pig headed people at Apple would not go for it is that if you just made it like not a wedge and you just made it a traditional rectangle you could fit two to three ports on there have a much larger battery it would weigh a negligible amount more and it would be a far better computer but apple just won't do that for god knows what reason that that was one of the other more interesting points that they they spent quite a bit of time on is this is something i've always wondered about with the the current air as well is what what benefit does the wedge design offer? Because like, I mean, I, it, it feels nice, but I see. I, see, I actually disagree with that. I I think the more uniform and symmetric design of the the MacBook Pro feels better. Because I hmm. you know they spent they spent some time on the show discussing how everything from just carrying the laptop to then you know opening the lid, all, all those little things just feel a little bit different and by different not better than or you know comparing a computer with this kind of wedge design to one that is more symmetrical yeah but alas that is not the computer that's going to ship on april 10th no so we shall see i'll be using this uh stack of fedex envelopes until then (laughs) so did you did you actually stack the envelopes to get to the appropriate width as well you mean thickness? Uh, yeah, sorry. No. No. No, that would have taken far too much effort. I um, have a big stack. My, getting, my di- getting my dimensions confused here. No, it just says MacBook written on it in Sharpie. <laughs> yeah, you know, they. Um, I think it was on, was it on, I don't know, I think it was actually the talk show. They um, were talking about how it's weird that the, the screen says MacBook. Yeah, they said that forever, though. I don't know why that went well, away. I guess, not I guess not a, that I really care, but it, it went away like, with yeah, the Retina ones. Right. Which, um, I don't know. Just It seems kind of unnecessary. Yeah. Well, they, they lost the glowing Apple, so they need to stay on brand. <laughs> That's right. I'm actually kind of bummed about that. I always liked glowing Apple. Me too. Um, but I'll, I will take space gray and no glowing apple over uh, something else. I see. That's that's the thing about space this new laptop. Gray is is, be oh, beautiful. I mean, I know, I know. <laughs> or I, what if I go in and, and they say no? All we have is gold left. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? You say no, thank you. <laughs> Having a if I if I'm, I'm the, sorry, if I'm the asshole walking around with a gold computer. I, in some ways, I think that, you know, I, Carlos, I don't, I don't like to swear on the show, you know, but I, I'm, I'm about to, I, I think having a fake gold MacBook makes you an even bigger asshole than if you own a real 18 karat gold Apple watch. Cause at least Apple watch edition, get your terminology, right? Oh, they paid a lot of money for the edition <laughs> word. Jeez. We should, let's, let's come back to that. The whole naming thing in just a minute. Um, at least with at least with watches, I mean, a it's real gold, which is something, and b with watches there is a there's an expectation and there's a history that 
gold is is an acceptable variant of of a of a watch. The idea that you'd have a gold, fake gold, laptop just I don't know. That that seems like how big of a douchebag do you need to be to want a gold laptop? That's really what I'm asking. I am not a fan. I can understand the appeal of a gold-colored iPhone and all that kind of stuff because I think on the iPhone it's a tasteful color and it's a small amount. I agree. I I just disagree with it on a computer. But again, I don't I don't have a strong preference. But I just think the the space gray looks very very nice. It the it did not come across this way over the live stream, but I've heard from everybody who's seen the gold MacBook in person that it is actually exactly the same variant as the gold iPhone. Which makes sense. Which makes sense. And that that does seem a little less offensive. Because on the on the live stream it did almost seem metallic in a way, which is not not what you want. It's no, it's made out of aluminium. Jeez. Um, all right. Well, let's you know. So let, let's transition into Apple Watch because uh, I think we we had a couple of you know as as you and I were also texting about this week. I think you know with more with more time you you get a little bit more um, more time to reflect. More some more thoughts come up. Um, and one one of the things that I, they were we're just name dropping every podcast we listened to this week. Um, they were they were talking about this on Upgrade this week where. Um, the the naming convention is is really just bizarre. I think Jason Snell has has come up with a pretty funny term with the the steel version being the Apple Watch no adjective, which I really <laughs> I, which I really like a lot. Um, what do you what do you think about this? Is, is this? I mean, we've talked about on the show a handful of times how with other product lines the naming convention just doesn't really make sense but it seems particularly off with apple watch yeah i mean i can understand somebody going into um an apple store and them saying i want an apple watch and then they say which edition and they say i want an apple watch (laughs) not the edition but not sport i just want some really bad um what's the what's the classic radio personalities the who's on first skit now you know you know what i'm talking about yeah I mean, I don't know. I just, I just don't. I mean, I, I, I'm probably not going to get one. I think if I'm going for one of the products that was announced that day, it's going to be the, uh, the, uh, the MacBook. And then you'll tell me what's so amazing about yours, and then I'll probably get one. But I don't know. I just don't really see the point of it, and I don't. I just don't think it looks very nice. I just, I don't. It seems very, it seems very thick, and I'm just, I, I'm not sure of the utility for me. Because I thought long and hard about it of what type of day-to-day activities I do on my phone. And actually very few of them would be suitable for like just passive like notification view. So I think most things would be too limited for the watch to do anyway. Like if I wanted to go into Instacast and select like a different podcast, I don't think that's going to work off the the watch automatically. I think it's just going to show like playback controls for what you're currently listening to. So I don't know. Well, the consensus out of the event was the watch looks much smaller and thinner in person than it does over, you know, photos. Like, do you do you understand what I mean when I say it looks really thick? I I do, but my point of comparison is the Pebble that I have, 
I, I've looked up online and even the 42 millimeter version of the Apple Watch is thinner, shorter, and narrower, I guess. I mean, all, all the dimensions are smaller than the current Pebble that I have. And I, and I, I don't find the current, you know, I don't find my Pebble to be too big or anything. So if the Apple Watch is even smaller than that, I mean, I, I think that's great. Yeah, we'll see. Well, when I'm uh, picking up the MacBook, I'll probably uh, schedule an appointment or uh, go take a look at the Apple Watches. But oh, so, so you are, so you are, you are for sure getting one of these new MacBooks. Not, not to go back a topic, but I'm like ninety percent sure. And if it stinks, I'll just return it. But I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm like ninety percent sure I'm going to get one too. Like for me, it's just again, like I tried because um, I've had a little bit of time off work because I had so much vacation banked up. And I've tried to do, like, because I my whole thing is I like being able to, like, go places and get my work done. I don't like just staying at home. And I tried taking the laptop out there, and the battery life just does not cut it. And it's just so damn heavy. And also, it feels really fragile. Like, a full-size computer feels really fragile, whereas an iPad or a device that that's that, that is that light and small doesn't. So I think including all of the, um, like difficulties people will have about it being underpowered or the kind of like the dongle or adapter situation i still think it's worth it just because that the whole ipad experiment kind of showed that the form factor is great but it's just the the limited nature of it and how set in my ways i am with being kind of a um like a software power user in the sense that i like all my little um my keyboard shortcuts and the I, I I like the apps that I have that help me get work done fast. So I'm thinking so, but I think that's putting the Apple Watch on the back burner because it, of the two that I think are, will provide the most benefit. I think that's the computer. And so is this going to be slotted in between your iPad and your 15 inch Retina? I think, again, I think the 15-inch Retina will become kind of a uh, a headless computer connected to an external display and keyboard for, like, photo editing and, like, more processor-intensive stuff. And if it works out really well, I might just sell the laptop and upgrade to a 5K iMac. But that, but that's that's too expensive to, uh, to consider to start now. I know. I've been thinking about that too. Like, uh, what if I just, what if I sell my Mac Mini, get a 5K iMac, and then, uh, it's, 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 I, I, I think I said this last week. It's, it's a really, it's a dark, it's a dark place to go. I remember that you said that, uh, like, for, for $3,800, it, it, it damn well better be like the perfect computing <laughs> environment or something like that. Oh, yeah. Cause we, you know, we, when we were talking during the event, um, you had said, oh, well, you know, the ideal setup would just be a 5K iMac and a, one of these, you know, new MacBooks. And I, you know, went on to the, the store afterwards and or I guess during the event even, I, I like looked up the price of the, the 5K iMac and uh, yeah, figured it would be about $3,800 for, you know, the entry level iMac and the entry level MacBook. So, you know, almost four grand that, that you know, in today's world that that should get you a, a pretty ideal computing experience. Yeah, for me, I just uh, my situation's weird just because I don't know how much I would get for this uh, Retina MacBook Pro with a busted, busted ass screen. I don't think I'd get much for my Mac Mini either. 
Well, Mac Minis are um, like I've still got a, like a 2009 or 2010 Mac Mini that's operating as a um, as a server in the closet. So those things have a lot of life to them. I guess I'd I'd also be able to sell my cinema display too. Yeah, that that won't get you much because mm. Thunderbolt's dead. Yeah, or I mean it's it's very. This close isn't to dead. this isn't this isn't even the Thunderbolt version. This is the this is the uh, this is the Mini DisplayPort version. <laughs> you have to pay somebody to take it. <laughs> This I don't know I, I I think I've said this on the show before this this display I'm I'm very very particular about displays as you know Carlos I I I still think this is a fantastic looking monitor yeah it's yeah it's, I, like, I, I don't sitting... like glossy displays but it's very very nice yeah I, I agree it is a little too glossy to use during the day sometimes but you know now in the evening which is when I you know typically use it. Um, I'm sitting closer to it than I think would be ideal just because I'm in a kind of a small space, but it's, I mean, it still looks really, really great. Yeah. Um, how did we, how did we go back to the, the MacBook after starting to talk about the watch? This is exactly because the, because the, watch the ATP is an un- thing. It's an uninteresting product. Well, so you know they were you know, they were talking on like, to just again like <laughs> reverberate everything that was said on this week's various episodes of the podcast we listened to. Again, let's each of those are like two to three hours a piece, so so we're a time saver. That's it's basically it. We're distilling we're, the best parts of all this. <laughs> we're the the Cliff Notes version of each of these podcasts, or Spark Notes if you're uh, under twenty five. I, I don't. I'm sorry, I don't really get that joke. Like Cliff, like Cliff Notes was not a thing that you used while you were in school. It was all Spark Notes because Cliff Notes were digital. Oh, is that right? I don't even remember that. Yeah, and there were also book rags too. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I remember that. Um, anyway, yeah, I was any- a terrible student in high school. <laughs> uh, I've completely lost my train of thought now. You got me, got me thinking about Spark Notes and high school and college and all that. Um. Yeah, well, where, where were we going to go with that? See, again, anytime you start talking about the Apple Watch, you just stop caring. <laughs> um, again, it's going to be a mature product in the year. Maybe I'll wait it out until then. Yeah. I have no, I have no issues with my current phone situation. Like, you're, you're like, there's no, there's never going to be like a tweet bot for iPhone or for Apple Watch because it's just not the proper form factor. I'm not going to take phone calls on Apple Watch, so I. I don't see where I'm going to use it other than it being just a slightly better fitness tracker, sort of, but with just way worse battery life. I don't, for my personal situation, I don't see the use. I'm sure a lot of people will see it, but I don't. So I, re- I remember where I was going with the, um, what they talked about on the talk show. Um, I think what was really different about this event was we didn't see anything new really with the watch that we hadn't seen before and the really interesting point that they made was one of the great things that apple does during most of these events particularly when they're introducing a new product so if you think about the first iphone or the first ipad they really do walk you through each and every single stock app and what it looks like how it works and i with apple watch you know, we didn't get any of that in September, so you thought like, oh, okay, we, you know, we'll see more of that at some event before, you know, they release the product. You know, with, with, with the watch, the, the whole home screen is full of apps, 
and presumably a calendar app and a, some type of contacts app, like all this different stuff that's going to come preloaded on the watch. We didn't really see any of that. Like we don't know what a calendar looks like on the watch, which that, that seems kind of crazy. And I think, you know, the, the point that they had made on the talk show was people are going to buy the Apple watch and in a lot of ways, not know how to use it in a way that we haven't had with, any other new Apple product. Yeah, it's again it's got a really strange product. Yeah. Ooh, I, I like I like this um this picture you sent me. No, you won't be talking about that. That's my uh, pick of the week. Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't no no spoilers. Jeez, now the people who aren't in the Slack channel have no idea what's going on and they're just gonna have to listen to the entire show. So this is a <laughs> it's a good a, teaser. A very effective teaser. Mm-hmm. You could work for a local news station. <laughs> It's not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> really? No, not really. The only the only type of um, voiceover work I've been told that I should do is um, be the the voice at the uh, for the haunted mansion at Disneyland. I had a friend in middle school tell me that. Since I wasn't a, a Disneyland kid, um, I do not know exactly what that means. Okay. Well, it's um, you know, it's kind of a a spooky kind of voiceover with um, some evil laughs in between. And evidently, well, I think, I think the, the reason for this, um, this comment was I, I've, I've had a, a deeper voice for a longer period of time than some other people. And so um, I felt I, particularly in middle school, I think I stood out a little bit. And so I guess I, you know, fit the part more than many, many of my, uh, my peers, as you would say. Hmm. What what has happened to the show? What, like what is where are we going with this? It doesn't matter. Oh, I, I said earlier that people you know people like the ones that are a little bit more organic, so that's what they're getting this week. Yeah, I, I think the only reason people tune into the show or uh, subscribe in their podcatcher of choice uh, is for all the sports talk or the the weird personal anecdotes. I don't know what you mean. You know, kind of like just my random story about how. A friend in middle school told me I should be the voice of the Haunted Mansion. Oh, I'm sure. Or my, you know, my lip syncing um, Sugar Ray performance. That kind of stuff. I think, you know, that's a, that's a callback to an early episode of the show. <laughs> that's, where, that's where true fans will, uh, <laughs> that's right. will feel special. Because uh-huh. only they will get it. That's exactly right. I bet you didn't even remember that. No, I, I do. I remember really <laughs> awful music very intently. Uh, so what what um what technology topics do we have this week? God, it's well, like it's like fifty minutes in. We haven't talked no, about anything that matters. You're looking at the um you're looking at the Skype call duration. We haven't been recording that long. Uh, basically. Yeah. I uh, know we're like we're like Actually, 30. ooh, okay. Let, let's talk about Nintendo. Um Well, I, I kinda have one more thing with the watch. Oh sure. Can, Go can for we it. do that yeah, before yeah. we get to the Nintendo stuff? Mm-hmm. I mean it's your show. I don't wanna No. It's okay. okay. Thank you. Um, the, the, the last thing, and this is also something that we, you know, after having an, a, kind of another week to think about it, we were texting back and forth some. I think it's it's just not, I'm not saying it's it's the wrong approach because a personal opinion isn't really right or wrong, but it, it's really my, just my personal taste and my preference that Apple would have spent more time focusing on the, the technology part of Apple Watch and less time on the 
fashion part of it? Because you know, you you asked me the question of do do I look at Apple Watch as being you know kind of a technology object or a fashion object? And a hundred percent, one hundred and ten percent, I view it as a, a technology piece, not not for fashion purposes. And I think the the snarky comment I had said to you was. You know, that's that's clearly evidenced by the fact that I've been comfortable wearing a pebble for the last couple of years. I'm clearly not fashion oriented with these smartwatches. So the the point is, I guess I, I'm 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 a little disappointed that there's been so much emphasis on the the fashion perspective. I I just wish some of that energy would maybe be poured more into the the tech side of the watch. I think there's plenty on the tech side of the watch. I just think they're, because it looks like the first truly usable and functional smartwatch um, that would appeal to most people um, or connected device or whatever you want to call it. I just think the focus on fashion, like just it detracts from the thing overall. Like I think that the Apple Watch edition overall is going to be considered a mistake. Like there's a lot of effort and like, because that allows people the opportunity to say, oh, Apple's trying to sell $17,000 watches, which, which I mean, they're not, it's, it's still a like iPod level price for a pretty cool piece of consumer electronics. Um, but I don't think the Apple watch edition is helping their case at all. I understand that they're thinking that if somebody is going to wear a watch, there's a lot of people who have an invested interest or think a lot about the aesthetics and the style of something. And they think, oh, somebody's only going to buy a gold watch. So there has to be some type of product for them. But I think that that and all the extreme high end options that there are for it, like, for instance, like that, like the space black, like steel link thing, that's like $1,100. The fact that there's such a spread in price between that and the entry-level um, Apple Watch Sport with the fluoroelastomer plastic doohickey thing, um, I think that's the part where people th- get weird or kind of wonder what's going on with Apple. Because, again, for me, if I'm just thinking of like what's contributing to their like quarterly results and what, what affects bottom line profit and revenue, it's it's this isn't going to be as an important a product as the uh, as the iPhone or even the underperforming iPad. So therefore, making it as expensive as it is or as weirdly complicated a product as it is, I don't see where that helps. And I don't think how that, I don't understand how that sets Apple up for the future, I guess is my point. No, I, th- I think it's fair. Um and the other, the, I guess the final comment with the whole tech versus fashion thing, the other thing that I mean by that is, you know, that the link bracelet is 449 we, we talked about that on the show last week. I would have much rather them come out with a, a link bracelet that wasn't so, you know, pristinely crafted with 900,000 pieces or whatever the current one has that was you know a little bit more generic not quite as you know fancily made for lack of a better phrase 
that was, you know, like 150 bucks or 200 bucks. That looked mostly the same. It just didn't have all the, you know, craftsmanship to it. I, I guess that that's kind of what I mean is I, I just, I wish that they would have not spent so much energy on, I guess, yeah, craftsmanship really is the best word and made, you know, more affordable bands that would be more friendly towards the people like me who are more interested in the technology and the the look is kind of an added benefit versus taking the approach of, you know, we're, we're going to make this like some high-end watch and we're not, you know, we're not going to worry about making this affordable for people who don't care quite the same way about stuff like this. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, through this whole, ever since September, uh, John Gruber has been trying to kind of put like a really fine point on that, like that technology people just will not, will not understand. But I guess for me is I don't understand what there is to understand. Like App- Apple's either a high fashion company or they're not. Like, I, I don't see what this does for them. I assume other people could make very, very uh, nice third-party watch bands or high-fashion stuff that they could license to other people. I don't see... The, I, don't, I just don't see what they benefit... what they get from doing it themselves other than, like, just temporary short-run profits at the expense of putting off potential consumers because it's such a complicated product at this point. Well, we uh, we will see. Yes, sir. Um, all right. So now now we now we can officially get away from the watch. I I interrupted you earlier. Well, I'm sorry. What what was the what was the next topic you wanted to get to? I don't remember. <laughs> you you callous callous person. I, I know. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I don't remember. Let me get back to Slack. Oh, oh I, n- I remember. Uh, Nintendo. Nintendo. Yes, yes, yes. So if uh, uh, longtime listeners to the show will. Uh, remember my clamoring for them to uh, give up their uh, losing war with, because again, I, I've been making the point for almost a year or longer than that, that console gaming has become, is going to fall away in the long run of things, but it's become very, very specialized towards the kind of high end, like boutique gamer or like hardcore gamer. Um, and that Nintendo's going to lose that war. So they should take their very uh, diverse and valuable set of characters and game franchises and move it onto mobile where people are willing to pay for it. And apparently that's what they plan to do, sort of. So what's what's kind of the gist of the story? Yeah, so they, um, they being Nintendo, came out uh, yesterday and confirmed that it will partner with uh, DNA. This is, this is spelled D-E-N-A. Uh, to create um, games for the PC and for mobile devices. And they, they phrased it in a way which was kind of strange. They, they said something like, you know, we're, we're going to leverage our existing IP to make software for different platforms or, or something like that. But essentially, they're, they're taking their existing franchises and they're going to, to make not only versions for their their hardware, which, by the way, they also confirmed as part of this announcement that they're working on, you know, the the successor to the Wii U, but they're also going to make games, yeah, the, the Wii Graduate, <laughs> right? The Wii, the Wii Me. We know that already exists because they have the MII. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll we'll insert some laughter there or something. Um, 
<laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, it's essentially, Nintendo's getting into the uh, you know the the software business, and the, the software business being you know not just for their own hardware, but for other platforms as well. And this, you know, this seems smart. Yeah, and they they made a they made a point of saying that they're not just going to port existing titles, but they're they're going to make unique games for the different platforms. So in other words, you know, you're not just going to have the existing, you know, Super Mario Galaxy for the Wii U and you know port it over to the PC or something. You're actually going to have a Mario game which was, you know, built from the ground up to be made for the PC or for a smartphone or whatever the case may be. Which, you know, I, I think you know people like you and and Gruber and lots of others have been and calling this calling for this for quite some time, and it, it yeah it just it just it just seems like the logical next move for Nintendo. Yeah, I think I think it's all they can do, um, just because consoles uh, console sales are hard and selling forty to sixty dollar games on top of that is 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 tricky and i think it's it's increasingly difficult to do in this market where everybody has an iphone or a uh, an ipad or some type of um mobile device because i assume did they specify as to whether or not they're going to start like ios only like you know on, on the platform where people actually pay for apps no <laughs> just gotta get your little android dig in there yeah no i i think they they didn't really talk specific platforms like that they Looking at the the giant bomb article that we have here, um, so they, they they talk about a multi device membership service, which I guess is some subscription service they're going to allow uh, that will allow players to play games across mobile, Windows PC, and Nintendo's own consoles. So I get the you know the key piece there being just mobile and Windows PC. So they haven't really specified platform to be on that. Seems like promising news. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. Um, I, I I can't really, I can't really imagine how this would do Nintendo any harm. In other words, I I don't really think that a consumer would say, "Oh well, because I can play Mario on my on my iPhone, I'm not going to get a new Nintendo console." It kind of seems like people who are going to buy those consoles are are going to buy them regardless of whether these franchises are available on other platforms as well i think that the truly interesting thing if this happens this this will be the real change is if nintendo starts to develop software for other console platforms no no i i I did not see for a very long time that you would ever see a mario game on playstation i do not think so well, whether or not we'll see that, I don't know. But what what I am saying is that that will be the the true, um, you know, kind of pivot pivot point, as as you would say. Yeah, don't see that happening. No. Okay. So sending money over Facebook. <laughs> A great great transition. Let's just, we'll just, we'll just run through them. Yeah, and we'll we'll edit some better transition in there or something. So would you do it? No. Why not? Because I already have 18 other ways that I can send money to friends. Well, name them. So you have Square Cash, and then you have like Bank of America sending money. Venmo. What else? 
You use Venmo? I've never met any, like, I, th- I always thought that was like an East Coast thing or a college student thing. I've never found anybody that actually uses that. A majority of my friends use Venmo. So therefore, I use Venmo. I feel like in a lot of ways, your payment choice actually isn't your choice. It's it's your friend's choice. Hmm. Interesting. I don't think I ever would have gone out of my way to use Venmo. I've actually always been a fan of Square Cash because it doesn't involve any sort of account or app or anything. But, you know, a majority of my friends use Venmo. So, therefore, I also use Venmo. Hmm. PayPal also fairly popular. Interesting. Yes, because, you know, for as bad of a rap as PayPal gets... um, It's not that bad. It's not bad. And it's free for, um, you know, if you're just transferring money between friends and family, so... Yeah. Um... Yeah. Uh, so, wait, what are your reservations? Is it just that you have other ways to do it, or that you have a specific ops, uh, oppos- a no, reason I, not to do it because it's Facebook? No, not at all. Um, I I just don't, uh, you know, I just I don't really have any particular reason to use this because I again I already have so many other ways to to do this exact same thing. Gotcha. I su- I suppose that if all of my friends decided, hey, we're going to start using Facebook Messenger to send money to each other then I would I would have no problem going along with that. But until that happens, I like I'm not gonna be the one to say, hey everybody, we should start using Facebook Messenger to send money to each other. I can't believe that actual conversation. I, I I don't think those words will ever get like uttered in, <laughs> in the real world. No, I don't think so. And so that's why I think for me this is not something that I would use because I, I already have platforms that do this exact same thing that everyone already uses. Yeah. Oh, and to clarify, I don't think I actually explained any of this. So uh, Facebook, which split off their like messaging product into a separate application, added a new icon uh, next to the emoticon button, which is a dollar sign where you can now send money through uh, Facebook Messenger. And it's basically a complete clone or a ripoff of Venmo. So there you go. Well, and of of Square Cash really too. Well, Square Cash is weird in that like it's like a half email based service, but then they have an application that does it too, which just composes an email. (laughs) Right. So that product is is somehow needlessly complicated, Mm. at least to me. Maybe I'm just dumb. It's not. It's not complicated, but it is a little opaque. I just don't understand why there's an app as well. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. What else we got? Um so we well, I guess we the little little shout out to, you know, your friends and mine at Slack. Big fans of Slack. I use this at work. We use it for the show. They now have a, a native Windows app. Oh, that's what you're going with? Yeah. Okay. Nobody, was there other Slack news? It kind of, yeah. Um, but n- nobody uses Windows, so this doesn't matter. Or pe- people with jobs don't use Windows. Well, I, I have a job, and I, I me- use Windows at the job. I mean, like, people... Well, I always thought Slack was... Uh, man, you should edit that out. I sound, I'm, that sounds mean. No, we'll, we'll cut all this out. Or Sorry, but I thought Slack and that kind of stuff was more in, like, in creative industries, and most... <laughs> and You're most... Just, just digging that grave, buddy. Not no, no, no. But, in, like, in the sense that, like... Like, while I think this would be great at my employer, I don't ever see a company 
as large or as um, uh, uh, set in their ways as as mine would ever adopt a technology like this. And that's why we're a Windows organization. So I just, I, I would, <laughs> this is my diplomatic way of saying all this. Yeah, sure. But I, yeah, this doesn't strike me as a Windows-centric product. <laughs> well, so what's what's funny about the, the Windows app is what what I've been doing prior to this being available is you know I, I just I, I installed the the Chrome application I'm, I'm putting this in air quotes because all you really do is just in Chrome you know in the options you can create like application shortcuts so if, if you do this for Slack it um, you know you can put it in your taskbar and everything in Windows and quite literally the, if you were just to open one of those windows and then put it next to a window from the well, Windows version of of Slack, they look exactly identical. There's virtually no difference. Well, yeah, I would assume it's just like a web wrapper. I think yeah. a, a, for the most part, that's kind of what the Mac one is, just with some keyboard shortcuts thrown in. Yeah, so I mean, all this is a little anticlimactic. Yeah, I think for me, the bigger news is that they updated the. Um, I've been beta testing it for a little bit, but they updated the uh, iOS app. And now you can share URLs from Safari uh, using a share sheet extension, oh, which, for, which for my purpose of, of how we use this saved me a, a crap ton of work. I, I've been wondering that for a while, why they haven't been in the share sheet. Yeah. Well, as, as of like yesterday, it's there. In the, the production version? Uh, yes. I think they finally released that feature. How, how did you become a beta tester? Um, I think they like a couple uh, months ago they on their Twitter thing uh, sent out a a thing, and then you can uh, join the test flight uh, beta group. Hmm. Yeah. No, I'm I'm excited about that. Every time I want to send you a link in Slack, I'm. A lot of times you'll just say screw it because you have to copy and paste <laughs> yeah. it. Which is the ultimate lazy move to make, but. Yeah, and I like that it remembers the the channel that you want to post in, which is uh particularly great. Hmm. The, um, the second laziest thing compared to the idea that I'm going to get one of these new MacBooks just because I don't want to walk the five feet to my Mac Mini. Yeah. Well, can't you just do remote desktop? I see. That's that's what makes it even worse. I was actually talking to some coworkers about that today, about how, well, you know, I can just bring my MacBook to work and kind of have it on my desk too. And they're like, yeah, but don't you already like remotely access your Mac Mini? It's like, yeah... Wait, is it the world's worst kept secret that while you're at work you just edit podcasts? <laughs> no, I, I um I actually don't I actually don't really edit the show much at work. Um I just for various other things I'll access my Mac. And you know, coworkers will like they'll notice like, oh, you have an OS ten looking screen on your, you know, your Windows laptop. What's going on? And so then I'll I'll explain that I'm, you know, remotely accessing my computer at home. <laughs> Gotcha. I, I I sit in one of these very trendy, open space environments, so my my screens are are very exposed. Would that be your preference if that weren't already the case? The seating the seating arrangement? Yes. No. 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 I would much prefer having my own office. What if the alternative was a spacious cubicle? Oh, that's a good question. I, I I really don't like cubicles. I feel like it's just a middle ground that makes nobody happy. Uh, I th I think open plan offices probably make a lot of people unhappy, depending they, on who you work with. 
They do. Yeah. yeah. I fortunately I work with some very good people, but still. Very nice. Um all right, so let, let's get I think let's get into our last big topic here before we get into your we'll end with your recommendation. We'll continue to tease that. Sure. What's our last big topic? Uh, the the whole the whole Wall Street Journal Apple TV thing slash just general cord cutting. Okay. So so some background this week. So the you know the Wall Street Journal with their you know people familiar with the matter have have said that you know we're we're going to see a a new Apple TV at some point this year that's going to offer some type of service where there are going to be you know about 25 channels that you can watch presumably live without having a a cable TV subscription and kind of in conjunction with this rumor uh you know the verge came out with this pretty neat guide which says you know hey here are the top 30 channels or so, I guess maybe 40 channels. I don't know how many they have on this list here. But they go through and they, they, they highlight, you know, in order to get all of these channels, here's all the different online services you would have to have, and here would be your, your monthly cost. And, you know, the, the thing that I've always thought about, and I, I think we've talked about this explicitly on the show, is... I'm skeptical of the idea that I'd be able to cancel my Comcast TV service while still keeping the internet service, which, by the way, goes way up in price if you debundle it from your TV service. You mean it gets rated at the standard price. Exactly. And then, you, you know, to go out and get all the channels that I regularly watch, I can't imagine I'd be able to do that for less than what I'm paying to Comcast already. Which is, you know, that, that that whole premise, which I, you know, kind of believe in for my case at least, makes me really confused as to what people, I, I've said this on the show too, like what people want from the next Apple TV or what they really expect from being able to like cut the cord as, as everybody says. Like I just, I just don't really, I don't really see that working or being a better option. Yeah. I entirely agree. I think uh, like a month ago, I set out on writing an article about how unbundling is not a cheaper alternative. And then I gave up just realizing that I was just beating the point over the head, which is once you parcel everything out, cable is not a bad deal. I think it, it differs for us because we enjoy sports and live sports. It's kind of the last remaining hook that cable companies or uh, traditional TV providers have over us. But like once you add in Netflix, whatever like you know have you seen the sling tv thing yes that that's part of this verge article yeah like it that's what 15 or 20 dollars a month then you add in your hulu plus subscription your hbo now which is gonna be 15 to 20 dollars a month because once you add all those things up it's not cheaper and you just have now have like a really disjointed experience for gathering your entertainment content so if you have a very very specific like level of content that you're interested in and that's all fulfilled by netflix like let's say you only like watching stuff that came out five years ago then great netflix has you covered but i don't think for most people that this is going to pay off so maybe someday it will but again i've always contended that if cord cutting ever gets really popular which it currently isn't i think it's just that we live in like a technology bubble or the media that we consume likes to suggest that it happens a lot more than it actually does once that happens 
Comcast and Time Warner and Verizon, all, all the uh, broadband providers, will just implement data caps, which will then double the cost of your internet bill to what it would have been with TV. And then everybody, everything's back to where it was. Right. So to, to put some actual numbers to this, and this Verge article does a nice job of this. So they have, you know, a, a set of channels. Again, it's um, you know, 10, 20. It's, it's like about 35, 40 channels. It's, every, it's all the obvious ones. It's, you know, all the networks, ESPN, Fox Sports, Telemundo, the, the CW, MSNBC, et cetera, et cetera. And to get all of these channels, you would have to sign up for uh, Amazon Prime, CBS All Access, HBO Now, Hulu Plus, Netflix, PlayStation V, whatever the hell that is, and this Sling TV thing that you mentioned. And the the total monthly cost of all of those services is $116.21. And of course, you'd have to, as as you've said, you'd have to add the cost of your internet on top of that, which for, you know, good unbundled internet you're probably looking at what 60 to 70 dollars a month i'm guessing from like you know like comcast yeah at at least so i mean you're you're almost at 200 dollars. whereas you know i think my current comcast bill with i'm looking at this this channel list i think i i think i basically have all of these channels included with with my you know cable package and then i have you know really high speed internet as well and i think i pay like around 100 dollars a month so I, I just don't, I just don't really, I, I guess what I'm confused about is why people are so irritated with their current cable service. I just don't really get it. I feel like I get a lot of value out of it. Yeah. So I mean, over for me, I think it's about $115 a month. And, and I think overall, we do get a really good value for that. And also, I, I think cable companies haven't been the most responsive o- over time in adapting new technologies. But I think in the past maybe five years or so, I think Comcast and most actually have like the Xfinity TV Go app and their video on demand offerings are actually pretty darn good. And you have to account for the fact that you lose quite a bit of viewing flexibility. If you go to like an all like video on demand service, like skipping commercials isn't as easy. I don't know if they've even talked about whether or not you can skip commercials. Like that might be a whole thing that that's now unskippable. I really enjoy my TiVo with its six tuners and all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I don't know. I think it's a weird, like, I think that's where the future is going. But I think a lot of people are unnecessarily trying to uh, accelerate that. And they're not thinking it all the way through. Because the most expensive content that people like, or like the most popular content, is generally the most expensive. And people are not going to want to pay a fair price for it. And I think that's where services like Spotify and a lot of other things are teaching people to undervalue content. And that's why the uh, the Taylor Swifts of the world are going to always opt out of that type of situation. So that's why you don't see uh, Mad Men and uh, Breaking Bad uh, on Hulu Plus, like when it's brand new. And that was actually a really good point you were just making about it's not even just the selection of of content it's also just the ease of viewing that content you know i.e not being able to skip commercials and and record like you do with the tivo when you're just watching stuff online i think also too just the the quality you know i when i've subscribed to nba league pass in the past i've done just the you know like the broadband service where 
your streaming games and you know with apple tv and everything it's easy to watch those games on your actual tv but the the quality you know specifically like the frame rate is just not as good at, on, online as it is watching those games live on espn or the like like and here's the thing like i on my tivo i can record six things at once at 30 to 60 frames a second with no impact on my internet speed because it comes in all the time and it works fine. And that's the kind of stuff where I, I don't think like just our infrastructure isn't there yet to support everybody watching everything at once at like five to 10 megabit a second HD streams. And what if multiple people in the house want to watch different things? It's all, what is it all going to go to standard def if people are watching three different things? Like that, that's the stuff that I don't, I, people just don't, I understand the status quo is not exactly what everybody wants and it's not perfect, but there's a lot to be said that it's not that bad. And there's a lot of flexibility that people are, at least until we, Google fiber is everywhere or everybody has a gigabit to the home. I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains here. And I think a lot of people just, they want something that they don't fully understand. Hmm. That's a. I think it's a good way to good way to put it and a good way to uh, close the topic. Yeah, sure thing. All right, picks of the week, and then we'll wrap this up. Yeah, let's let's do it. Yeah, you first. All right. Um, so there's a new app, uh, or somewhat new app. It was an app that was released in September of 2014. Uh, Apple pulled it from the App Store, saying that um, uh, notification center widgets can't actually do anything useful. Um, and then it was uh, they fought, and apparently it was reapproved uh, today. So this is an app called Launcher for uh, iOS eight, and it allows you to create a uh, today screen widget uh, that allows you to quick launch apps, which I am very very excited about because I think I've for uh, for a year now said that I really really wish there was some way to add uh, a shortcut to one password into like Control Center. Because whenever I'm in another application, that's always the application I find myself needing to go back to. And now you can do that. So I'm very, very pleased with it. It's four bucks and it's totally worth it. Yeah, this is this is the image you, you showed me earlier in Slack, which I reacted to. And this looks awesome. This looks really, really great. Yeah, I think I'm going to buy this right after we're done recording. Yeah, it's very good. Um... Yeah, I mean, you just create a little shortcuts. And the thing is, it's not just app shortcuts. Like, it could also say, um, like, give me driving directions home. Or it, anything that supports the X callback URL scheme, which was before share, uh, share sheets existed. That's how um, iOS apps kind of did, like, this hacky communication together. So you can have it, like, jump into a uh, text message compose window or open uh, favorite links. Or there's a whole lot of things that you can do with it. But I'm just using it in the very uh, rudimentary way of just allowing me to pop into One Password or OmniFocus or like Twitter just very quickly in any application. So, highly recommended. Well, so I, I've been thinking about it, and I, I don't, I don't really have a very exciting new pick. Um, but um, I, 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 we haven't really talked much about. Well, I guess, are, are, is, is this really just going to be OS ten, or can this be any any piece of software? Well, this was, mine was iOS. But no, it can be anything in your life. You can, you can, you can pick pancakes. You can do whatever you want. I meant to say iOS. Sorry. No, no, it, can, it can be pancakes, whatever you want. <laughs> um, I, so my pick is going to be 
Logic Pro 10 or Logic Pro X, as you would say. I think that's a very limited appeal one, but go for it. Um, you know, we've been we've been editing the show uh, the the last four or five episodes using Logic now, and it's it's really really great. It's it's faster than GarageBand. It has quite a bit more functionality than GarageBand, but it also looks a lot like GarageBand. So as a longtime user of of you know GarageBand, it, it's been a very easy transition. I just I've been very very happy with it. Um, it it makes it makes editing a podcast significantly easier and more efficient. And you know, for for me who you know I don't have a ton of time to edit these shows, so any, anything I can do to save a bit of time is is greatly worth it to me. Um, so yeah, I've been been extremely extremely happy with it. The uh, the strip silence feature alone. I think makes it makes it worthwhile. Does that just like take the volume down to zero on like just kind of like um, on quiet parts, or does it actually delete the period? It of actually time? it actually deletes them. Yeah, deletes the the segments. Have you found that that leads to like disjointed conversation? Not at all. Wow. Yeah. No. No. Not at all. Very not cool. the uh, not not the ATP effect. Yeah, they will never listen to this. So feel free to say that. <laughs> no, I, I we we talk about this quite a bit offline. I, I find as much as I enjoy ATP, I, I find the editing to make the conversation sound a bit disjointed. Whereas you know, on our show, we also use the same kind of thing where you know we're we're recording or we're hearing each other rather using Skype, but we're actually both just recording our local ends just for better sound quality. And then I combine those ends as two different audio tracks. But you know, when, when they get joined together, they 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 sound as if it's you know one you know synchronous track. I find that with ATP, that's not always the case. Yeah, a certain podcasts have better audio quality than others. So it, indeed, yeah. This one having you know some of the best. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> yeah. All right. Decent show. Yeah decent show. All right. Till next week.